couldn't sleep at all last night. Welcome all you sunrisers and moonrisers to Sleepless in Studio City, a safe place for discussing what's keeping your mind, body, and spirit from sweet, sound slumber. Your host, Dr. Debs, a celebrated columnist, lauded love, romance, relationship, and dating coach, offers simple, soothing solutions and heartfelt help. Dr. Debs will discuss topics such as finding and keeping the love you deserve, dating, marriage, parenting, setting boundaries, breaking the cycle, breaking up, following your dreams. We respect your privacy and will not reveal names or contact info. If you'd like your questions answered during a show but are hesitant to call in, please feel free to write Dr. Debs at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com and she will address your concerns on the next broadcast. You can also find updates and weekly affirmations on Facebook slash Sleepless in Studio City. And now, without further ado... Here's Dr. Debs. Thank you, Zach, for that energizing introduction. Always a pleasure and honor to be here with all you night owls for another exciting episode of Sleepless in Studio City. Stay tuned for our magical musical interlude. I'll be presenting all the way from Montreal, Canada, <laughs> the amazing artist, Ayelet Rose Gottlieb. She'll be talking about the meaning of music in her life, advice for aspiring artists, what she believes is the key to finding and keeping love, and much, much more. <laughs> I yell it is an international jazz master described as brilliant, endlessly creative, and insightful. <laughs> Providing more than just a musical experience, she unlocks the door to freedom within the heart of a jazz. <laughs> Stay tuned. I was thinking about... Oh, love. What is love? Most people think love is physical love. But what about agape love? What about the love that means doing something in the best interest of the other person, even if it's not what you want or desire. That's the letting go of our children and doing what's in their best interests. That's the letting go of a friend, of a spouse, of a lover, and doing what's in their best interests. That's the definition of love that says, when I'm with you, I'm in touch with the capable, most loving, creative, most dynamic parts of myself. That's the definition of love that says, Love is an act of service, an act of devotion to another person. 
being there for them. Loving someone means that you want them to flourish as a human being. You want them to be their best. You want them to step up to be their highest self, even if it doesn't involve you. You can tell the character of someone else by how they treat those who can do nothing for them. I'm going to say that again, the definition of character. How you treat those who can do nothing for you. <laughs> Even a love object <laughs> who won't sexually appease you or who sexually doesn't appeal to you. I remember there was this guy at this singles event. I was introducing him to another guy. He said, why would you introduce me to him? He had a temper tantrum and wouldn't even talk to the guy and walked away. Because what could a guy do for this other guy at a singles event? All he wanted to do is meet women. Woo! That tells you that person's character. <laughs> I unfortunately did not listen to the Maya Angelou quote about the first time someone shows you who they are, believe them. <laughs> I didn't even heed that red flag. I continued to relate to that person. Well, it got worse from there. <laughs> so please remember these character traits and what it means so that you don't have to be the person who says the first time, shame on them. The second time, shame on me. <laughs> Love, a selfless act, a decision you make each day, each moment. It's one-sided. Love does not have to be reciprocal. That's not the goal. <laughs> Most people keep score. I'll do this for you if you do that for me, tit for tat, even when you're having sex. Well, I'm going to give you this pleasure only if you give me that pleasure. <laughs> Love is not always reciprocity. It's a metaphysical reality. And if you contemplate on this definition of love, this deep definition of love being an act of service, an act of devotion to another person, it will change your life. You can arrive at love through discussing what devotion means. First, you have to make a decision to remain devoted and then a discussion to find out what's going on with the other person. <laughs> oh, wow. Check it out. Finding out what's going on with them. Wondering what it's like inside of them. Ooh. Have you asked lately your child, your mother, your father, your spouse, your best friend, What's it like in there for them? 
how do they feel without offering your advice or what you think they should be doing without shooting on them? Have you asked one of these close people in your caress if there's anything you can do to make their life better? A simple question. Can I do anything to make your life better? When is the last time you asked that profound question? It is even better than the golden rule. This is the golden question. What can I do to make your life better? (laughs) That's true love. Trying to understand, to become aware of your loved one's heart, soul, their nature, what they're going through, how they're experiencing things, what it's like in there. It's not how you want them to be or imagine them to be or expect them to be or surmise them to be. Don't assume where the first three letters are A-S-S or project your needs or how you require them to be so you will feel okay, especially regarding parenting. Just because you've been 10 once doesn't mean you know what it's like for your child to be 10 or 20 or 30. Just because you went through something traumatic doesn't mean you know what something traumatic is like for them. Love, love, love. Everyone thinks they know what it is. Everyone thinks they experience love. Maybe they're talking about physical love, brotherly love, parental love, (laughs) sexual love. But what about agape love? The selfless love. (laughs) Wanting your love interest to flourish as a human being. Wanting what's best for them whether it involves you or not, whether it involves your opinion or not. Let's take this a step further. If we taught not only love, acceptance, tolerance, but what if we taught forgiveness in schools? (laughs) Throw out those books and those syllabuses. Burn them all. I'm a great book learner. I've got a zillion degrees, but has that helped me in life relationships? Learning about love, patience, and tolerance? No, it's got to be experiential. We've got to use teachable moments with our children, our friends, our lovers, our partners, ourselves. We've got to learn from our mistakes. We've got to learn by being vulnerable and authentic, by opening ourselves up to others, by coming out of the closet to thine own self be true. We've got to refrain from having to win, from knowing it all, from having to be right. Resign yourself from the know-it-all society. We've got to be teachable, humble, and listen. Take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. (laughs) Have you listened to someone today? I've got chills again. Listen, listen, listen to their insides talking, not just their words. I mean, really listen, active listening. Give someone your complete attention without any distractions. Turn off that phone. Oh my God, I did that tonight. 
with my daughter. I wasn't paying attention. Thank God for her. What a precious human being she is to remind me to pay attention. Oh, I love it. I love to be reminded when I'm not all there (laughs) for someone else. Practice listening without judgment or preconceived notions of how you want them to be, what you want them to say, what you need them, expect them to be. And when they don't live up to your expectations, don't put them down, chastise them, berate them, laugh at them. Instead, you can give them the gift of freedom to be who they are. (laughs) Are you usually the judge and the jury? Do you think you know what's best for the world and everyone and everything around you? (laughs) Because if you do, pay attention and listen to this other profound quote from Osho, that great Tantra master. If you are alone and lonely, it's only because you have too many criteria on your love. Again, I'm going to repeat the Osho quote. If you are alone and lonely, it's only because you have too many criteria on your love. (laughs) Get rid of those lists of how other people have to be or even how you have to be. My favorite definition of love is if you're supposed to be with someone, no matter what you say or don't say, no matter what you do or don't do, you will be with that person whether it's a child, parent, lover, spouse, friend, employee, employer, neighbor. And alternatively, if you're not supposed to be with that person, no matter what you say or don't say, or what you do or don't do, you won't be with that person. In other words, you've got to trust the universe. There's something out there that's more powerful than you. You do not have control over everybody and everything and what they do or say or don't do or don't say. (laughs) Well, that's the good news about the epidemic. (laughs) Maybe it will get rid of all the rageaholics that are traversing the planet because we're going to start to see people inside out. We're going to start to look at the cause and find out how to love ourselves and others and pray for those you resent. Forgive them for what they do not know. I don't mean to excuse or condone their behavior but free yourself. Allow your best self to rise to the occasion. Don't go down to the level of those people that have hurt you. You can emerge from all of this, from this pandemic, from the negativity, from the darkness, and come into the light. Rise to a higher plane of consciousness. That is what is going to heal the planet if everybody individually can rise to the occasion to become their best self, their highest self, their loving self to themselves and others. If we start loving 
Following my definition of loving, doing what's in the best interest for the others, for the other person, finding out what you can do to help them flourish, finding out how you can nourish them, finding out how you can help yourself nourish and flourish, asking other people, what can I do to make your life better? Well, if you follow those golden rules, the entire universe will transform right before our eyes. And maybe we can take off our masks, and I don't mean the ones that we're wearing now, but taking off the masks that keep us from honesty and authenticity, connecting inside to inside. (laughs) Let's start praying for everyone, especially the difficult people we resent and the institutions we abhor. With these blessings, may you be happy, may you be peaceful, May you be safe. May you be free from suffering. May you awaken to your true nature. Let's take advantage of this time. This is a tender time to be tender with ourselves and others, to watch our thoughts, to set aside time, to be tender with ourselves, to expand our awareness, to do what it takes to be tender and tough, tender with our vulnerabilities, our sensitivities, tough with our thoughts. Don't let them consume you. Rise above negativity. You can do it. We can all do it and move into the light. Don't let that darkness consume us. It's trying really hard. We can come together. That's where we will get the power. There's power in numbers. This is a tender time to be tough on ourselves, making sure we don't lax off and start treating ourselves and others badly. Tender shepherd, tender shepherd, let me help you count your sheep. (laughs) Now it's time for our caller. Hello there. Welcome to Sleepless in Studio City. I'm Dr. Debs, and who am I speaking with? Hi, my name is Jane. Hi, Jane. Welcome to the show, and where are you calling from? I'm calling from North Hills, California. Well, welcome. What's on your mind tonight? What's keeping you from sweet, soft slumber? Well, I've been having trouble with aging. I'm getting older. I'm going to be. I'm going to have a birthday at the end of the month. Well, in two weeks, and it's not so much that I'm having a birthday. It's just so much that. Every time I look in the mirror, I can see the fact that I'm getting older, and it's driving me crazy, and I'm making all these appointments, like for Botox and for fillers on my face, and four months ago, I had Botox, and I indicated to the doctor 
that I want to show us, and he even says, what's the point? Nobody's going to see you. <laughs> um, and it's true that when I go out, I wear a mask, so what's the point? But the truth is that I made the appointment to do it, and I look at myself every day. And that's the point for me. The truth is it's really expensive. And when I sit and I think about it, I say to myself, why am I spending the money? I could be, first of all, I don't really have the money, but if I'm going to spend this kind of money, when I was working, I was a volunteer, and I worked for an organization that helped clothe um, homeless children. And if I'm going to spend money, I should donate. I should make a donation for that charity. Um, and then... Uh, first of all, I used to, I took pictures of myself 40 years ago, and I worked for a large corporation, and we had sales meetings, and there's one picture of me sitting next to the president of the company, and I looked really good. So when I see myself now, I just get, like, depressed, and I realize it's just vanity, and I wish that I could be aging with dignity. Aww. So, that's what I feel bad about, you know? And I know that it's so superficial, but it really bothers me every day. And also, I exercise. I ride a bike every day, and I do yoga. And here's another thing that bothers me. I have flabby skin. <laughs> and that freaks me out, too. Aww. So, these are the things. Everything else about my life seems to be fine. And if it weren't for the pandemic, I don't think I would even care. But this is what's bothering me, you know? Oh. And I, I don't live alone. I have a husband who's very supportive of me, and he says, you look fine, blah, 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 blah. But it's me that I have to live with. Oh. Well, thank you so much, Jane. First of all, ooh, I got chills for your honesty and your heartfelt sincerity. I want to say congratulations. You're happy. You're happily married. You sound like you have a wonderful spirit. So that's the good news. Everything else is doable as well. The pandemic seems to accentuate everything that's going on with us. Again, there's good news in that because it's a chance to Look at yourself. You said to me, the last words you said were, it's me. You said, it's yeah. me. Everything's good, and my husband accepts me and loves me the way I am. As I always say, it's an inside job. I'm so honored and excited to delve into that inside job, which brings me to, is this the first time you felt you weren't young enough or pretty enough or your skin wasn't tight enough or you didn't like the way you looked in the mirror? Is this the first time you've ever had those feelings? Yes. It all has to do with the pandemic. And I'm home. And I've become obsessive. And before, when I was out and about, I never thought about it. You know, I felt good about myself, and I was doing things. And, yeah, I was being productive in the world. And now, I'm just sitting around. Wow. You know, I mean, I am 
you know, I'm doing some yoga five days a week, and I'm riding the bike, and I have a hobby, which is knitting, but spending too much time, well, you know, exercising is not a superficial thing, because in that regard, I'm taking care of myself, and I'm reaching out to people I haven't talked to in a real long time, and I'm grateful that I have grandchildren. Unfortunately, they live on the East Coast, and I, I FaceTime, I have FaceTime dinners with them once a week. Um, well, I have too much time to look at myself, mm. you know? And I still, with regard to the pandemic, have too much time on my hands. I need something else to do, you right. know? So what I'm hearing is that before the pandemic, you didn't have these feelings about aging or what you look no. like. No, not, not one bit. I felt good about myself and so, yeah, I wasn't obsessed with the way I looked. Great. Okay, yeah. well, that's great. Yeah. That's great that went on with you because a lot of people, this is kind of a theme and their storyline that they're not good enough and this isn't good enough. So because this is about the pandemic, that's even better because this could be a time to find out ways you can be productive. So you're not having time obsessing about what you look like and, as you called it, these superficial areas. We don't know how long this pandemic is going to be going. It might be extended. At first we thought, oh, we could do this for two weeks, stay inside and not do anything. But since it's going sure, well, again, I liked it. Oh, you liked it? Wonderful. What did you like about and it at the beginning? Well, I love being home because so much of my... So much of my life was out of the house, you know. So it was. So I loved. I loved being home. You know, it was. It was wonderful to stay home. I mean, I mostly got my stimulation from being out. You know, I worked. I volunteered two days a week, and what else do I do? Oh, I belonged to a knitting group one day a week, and then my husband and I had a cabin in the mountains that we went to for, like, the weekends. So I was never home. So I absolutely loved being home. Wow. So, in the, so during the pandemic, it was like a chance for me to stay home. It was great. Oh. You know? I love it. Okay. Well, you can get back to that feeling again and embrace being home. You said you got stimulated from going out and volunteering. I heard you say yeah. that. Have you been doing any volunteering since the pandemic? I don't know how to volunteer. Okay. Are you up for checking that out and seeing which ways you can volunteer? Yes, right I, yes I am. I absolutely am. Okay. Yes. There yes. are some wonderful possibilities. As a matter of fact, I know someone that also, like you, was out and about all the time and busy, busy, busy working before the pandemic, and they feel the same exact way. By the way, Jane, you are not alone. <laughs> this is a huge pattern that's going on with everybody, so you're not alone. That's the good news. You can find things. There are even more opportunities to volunteer now because you're not limited to your local area. You can literally volunteer for places that are all around the world. Well, I'll tell you what I'm very good at. Um, I have a I have some great people skills, and 
I think that because of my age and because of my experience, you know, I have some wisdom, and I've been, I've, you know, when people have talked to me about some of their challenges, I've been able to offer some advice that's been very helpful to them, at least because they say, ah, thank you, I'm going to try that. And they seem to have success in some of the things I've suggested. Oh. So that seems to be, and I, I, I like working with people. Do you know what I mean? I find that very rewarding. Oh. But I don't know how to, you know, I don't know what to do about that. Let's start with some baby steps, these skills that you have, people skills and all the wisdom and experience. These are gold and completely valuable. What about working with younger people or teenagers or people in college, such as being a big sister or volunteering to be a mentor for underprivileged kids or at schools. Does any of that interest you? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. There are so many organizations that are looking for mentors. I know of some organizations that are called mentoring. There's different ages that you can mentor with. You're volunteering, but you're not stuck to any one age. You can even try different things. Have you Googled mentoring and volunteer? No, no. Okay. Is that something you'd be willing to do? Yeah, I'd be willing to try that. I'm, I'm writing it down right now. I would Google mentoring women and girls. Mm -hmm. I would yeah. Google volunteering. Again, the good news about the pandemic is you're not limited to having to go somewhere in your neighborhood. You can right. literally volunteer for someone in Baltimore. These right. are going to continue on Zoom. Plus, you don't have to show up a certain day or time. It could be something that's convenient for you. In other words, you don't have to drive in traffic and worry about getting there on time or being late. It could be times yeah. that are convenient for you. If you're an early riser, you can mentor for people back east. Sure. If you are up at 7 in the morning, that's 10 for them. I'm trying very hard to mentor for somebody in my family who needs a mentor very much. And it hasn't been working out so well because she says, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, but she doesn't do anything about it. Oh, um, I love that. Wait, hold on to that thought because we're going to take a brief station break. And that is a subject dear to my heart, mentoring someone in your family. So hold on to that thought. We're going to be right back. Okay, okay. The moment you've been waiting for, our magical musical interlude featuring all the way from Montreal, Canada. <laughs> The amazing vocalist, I yell it, Rose Gottlieb. Hi. Welcome <laughs> to the show. It's a pleasure and honor to have you. I wanted to start out hearing a little bit about your history or your her story, as I call it, <laughs> and how you first came to find a passion in music. I feel like I've always had a passion in music since I was a little kid. Um, I remember myself as a three-year-old making up songs, and I see that now with my kids. I see them doing the same. Uh, so I think that's part of 
part of my story from the get-go, kind of. I was born with music, and she's been my companion for all of my life. Um, and I started, I started as a child playing the flute and classical music, and, and around 17 years old, I started discovering my love of jazz and improvisation and composition um, all around the same time when I was, like, between 14 and 18 was, like, the stage of discovery for me. Wow. Ooh, I love it already. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear more. Who were some of your inspirations when you were getting into the jazz world? Well, I mean, one of my biggest inspirations and mentors was Arnie Lawrence. I don't know if you know him, uh, but he was a great saxophone player who, in his work life in, in New York, worked with Dizzy and played on The Tonight Show and, you know, through that played with everybody from Liza Minnelli to Billie Holiday. And at, at some point he moved to Israel uh, and I was lucky enough to be in his orbit and then uh, really work with him and have him be my mentor for those teen years. Uh, those transformative teen years, I, I played with him a lot. And so he really influenced my approach. Um, and musically, just from records, I mean, there's so much, it's almost hard to nail down, but um, I love Betty Carter and Jean Lee and Ella and Sarah Vaughan <laughs> and Charles Mingus and, I mean, Ornette Coleman, oh, a lot wow. of different music. Yes. Yeah. And, and music that's not jazz also. Oh. La creme de la creme. You mentioned Israel. Is that where you studied jazz or performed? Well, that's where I was born and grew up. Uh, I left when I was uh, almost 20. <laughs> oh. um, until then, I was there and, and uh, lived there and worked there and studied there. Um, and then I moved to Boston to study at New England Conservatory. Do they have an appreciation for jazz in Israel? I mean, I think it's tricky, right, because it's a small country and it's just a, so it's a small market. Um, but there are, there's a huge abundance of jazz musicians, and I think, I think you see that on the global scene, too, right? You see how many Israeli musicians, in relation to the small country that we are, how many Israeli musicians are prominent on the scene. So there's incredible jazz education that, that I also think starts with Arnie and other uh, individuals who lived in Israel and really brought like New York jazz to to the scene. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's a really, really small country, and, you know, the, the culture, like everywhere, is mainstream culture. It's not necessarily jazz. So there's a lot of abundance of incredible talent and not that much audience which is always, like, an interesting, right. <laughs> an interesting uh, you know, scale. That's why I brought it up. It's not mainstream in most places. And do you have any input as to why it's not? Because for me, jazz is everything. It touches my heart and soul and uh -huh. gives me a breath of fresh air. But most people don't feel that way about it around the world. I mean, I think 
think there's jazz. I mean, jazz is such a big word, right? There's so much right. under that roof. Um, there's jazz that is comforting and comfortable and that is meant to be entertaining. But as such, it's like old school entertainment. So I don't know if it will resonate with a 20-year-old, like the Ella and Louie recordings that are so delicious and beautiful, but I don't know that it resonates with the young person, like if it tells the story of their life. So that's on the level of this mainstream kind of entertainment jazz. And then there's jazz that's more challenging, and I just think it's just hard for people sometimes, like for people who are looking to be entertained and comforted by music. Some right. jazz is, is difficult because it doesn't come to do that. It's not what it's about. I feel like my my trend of jazz is not about entertainment so much. It's not, it's, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with being someone who, who comes to entertain, but that's not my objective in my music. And I think for a lot of jazz musicians, you know, it's about other things. So to begin with, you're not coming into it trying to please people. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what is the meaning of music in your life? Well, I mean, for me, music is music is my life force. It's my lifeline. It's always been that. It's the way that I communicate, and it's the way that I process. I mean, music is pretty much everything. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> a woman of my, <laughs> a like-minded spirit. What are we going to hear tonight from you? What have you chosen? I've chosen a track um, from my upcoming album that is right now in, in pre-order mode and is coming out in January. Um, it's called 13 Lunar Meditations, Summoning the Witches. That's the name of the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, the track is called Moon Over Gaza. And it's a duet with the great Jay Clayton, who is a, a like, featured performer on this record. Um, you'll hear Aram Bajakian on guitar. And he also does spoken word at the end of this track. And Ailan Basaldia on violin, Efandia um, Mantaki on bass, and Ivan Bamford on drum. The whole project basically is based around texts about the moon that I've collected from women from many different parts of the world. And this one is a kind of a, it's, it's the biggest one kind of on the record uh, because it's a hybrid of three poems. Uh, I asked. Palestinian-American poet Nomi Shihab Nye to write a poem for the project. And at first she didn't, she didn't feel so inspired to do so. She was like, ah, I don't know, I don't have any ideas. And she sent me a poem by Mahmoud Darwish, who is like the, the national Palestinian poet. Um, and I really wanted to have original works in this, in this uh, song cycle, so I took the Darwish poem and wrote a reaction poem that I wrote based on his poem. And then I sent that back to her with, like, some explanation about what I was uh, aiming for. And that inspired her to write a poem herself. And her poem is from the perspective of the the moon itself, overlooking Gaza. 
I when I compose it, it starts with J as the moon. J is the moon in this song, uh, and then I sing my own poem, and Aram does a spoken word based on Mahmoud Darwish's poem. So it's this epic, jazzy um, <laughs> of humanity and pain. <laughs> I love the idea of mixing the poetry with the music. Is mm-hmm. that something you came up with recently, or have you been doing that for a while? I mean, I, I always, always loved working with text. I've composed many kinds of texts. Um, I have a song cycle that's based on the Song of Songs from the Bible, the erotic poetry from the Bible. And then I have a song cycle about the wind. And I like writing song cycles. I really love that that form. Uh, And I do that a lot. And, I mean, I also just work with text. Like, I I compose segments of uh, lectures and speeches and articles by John Cage, by Martin Luther King, by different thinkers. Uh, you know, I just love playing with text. In Ooh, many ways. wow, I love it. Mixing the two, I <laughs> mean, who could ask for anything more? It's like everything <laughs> all rolled up in one. <laughs> yeah. Since this show is about love, I was wondering <laughs> if you, <laughs> what you thought was the key to finding and keeping love in your life. Ooh. <laughs> I think... Um, giving love is the key. Giving love, a lot of love, abundantly, is the key to having love. Being in a state of, the assumption is love rather than suspicion or borders or anything else. Just the assumption is love and then baseline of openness and being willing to see the other. Ooh, I love that. It reminds me of the book called Love is Letting Go of Fear. Oh, beautiful. I yeah, love that book. It's a great title. <laughs> and you can yeah, check it out. But yeah, because, <laughs> well, I feel like it's like love on one side and fear on the other. When you were talking about that, I got chills because, yes, wouldn't that be great if we all came from that place? <laughs> Do you have any advice for aspiring artists? I don't know that I'm an authority to give any kind of advice, but <laughs> but um, I think the way at least that I live my life in art is that, you know, just being really true to yourself and to your vision and not letting the external, external voices and thoughts kind of cloud that and lead that because the minute you steer off of that, things get muddy. So the more you are able to really zoom into what your vision is, whether it's for your life in general or for specific projects or for whatever, for a song, uh, just what is what is it that you want to say? What is it that you want to convey? And really let that guide you. Then, you know, you can't go wrong. Oh, I love it. And it's great life advice. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't have said it more eloquently. Is there anything else that you would like to tell the audience about before we leave any upcoming projects? Yeah, I mean, in December, December 4th through 6th, I'm curating an amazing series of workshops. It's called the Vocal Intensive. So I created created kind of like an umbrella for all of my work that is not about touring. 
and it's called the Orchard of Pomegranate. Um, and through that, I do I do these free listening hours every month, and I teach my private studio, and I also curate these vocal intensives every four months or so. Ooh. And the next the next one is uh, in December, December fourth through sixth, and we have nine faculty, uh, including Jay Clayton. Uh, Jen Shu, oh. Serpa, uh, Katie Bull, um, a, a whole lot of people. There's more people. I'm just not, right now, like I'm just telling you, the people who are jumping right. in my head as I'm speaking. Um, and it's really affordable so that anyone could come. Um, and it's three intense days of 12 workshops, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four workshops every day of just tackling voice work, body work, composition, improvisation, songwriting, interpreting text, all of these different aspects of singing and improvising um, over three intense days. And we welcome anybody and everybody, whatever your level, uh, whatever your gender, whatever your instrument. We've had in the past instrumentalists um, and really, like, it changes the way they approach things because, you know, how often do instrumentalists get to study with vocalists? Right. And how often do we get a group of faculty who, where there's one man and eight women? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's, it's rare for, for men to get to study with women who are band leaders, who are composers, who are, you know, like, innovative artists. Ooh. You know, it's it's so wonderful to see, like, this kind of group of people come together and read. We've had, like, Grammy Award winners alongside, like, complete beginners, you know. Yes. Like, really, the, the gamut is very wide, and everybody finds themselves within it because you, you, you take what, what you take from it. I love it. Where can our listeners find out more about this amazing event coming up? Well, I think e- the easiest would be either to find me on Facebook or uh, through my website, which is www.ayeletrose.com. How exciting. Thank you so much. It's just absolutely been marvelous. I Thank appreciate you. hearing your words of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Without further ado... <laughs> Let's hear it from Ayelet Rose Gottlieb. Take it away, Ayelet. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. It's a pleasure talking to you. You too. <laughs> I am lonely for my friends. They like me. Trusted my coming. I think they looked up at me. More than other people do. I 
staring down so long See no reason for the sorrows humans made I scuffle And dust Bombs blasting very much it blocks my view. <laughs>
one is born I have a mother and a house with many windows And I have brothers and friends in a cold prison I have a wave that seagulls snatched away I have a view of my own And an extra blade of grass I have a moon past the peaks of words I have God sent food of birds and an olive tree Beyond the can of time I come from there I return the sky to its mother When for the mother the sky cries and I weep for a returning cloud to know me I have learned the words of blood-stained courts In order to break the rules I have learned and dismantled all the words Construct a single one. How great was that? And welcome back to the show, Jane. We were talking about ways that you can be productive in the world during the pandemic when you're at home and how you might mentor because you have special people skills because of your age and experience. I love the topic of mentoring someone in your family. I wouldn't oh, yeah. actually call that mentoring, but I love how you use that word and that term. What came to mind for me is trying to help someone in your family who hasn't actually asked for help. Uh-huh. Are you talking about members of your family that called you on the phone and said, Jane, could you please share your age and experience and wisdom with me? I'm talking about somebody who I call often because she has some real problems. She's crying on the phone because of some of her problems. Right. She's not saying help me. Okay. But Let's go back okay. to that and take it one step at a time. Okay. I'm 
excited that you brought up this topic. In answer to my question, has this family member called you and asked you for your age, experience, and wisdom? No. Okay. So that's my first advice, (laughs) because you did ask me, and you called into the show about mentoring someone in your family, is to look for the question mark. What do you mean? To Looking for her to to elicit advice? Exactly. It's super important to look for the question mark. Oh, okay. Is she asking you for help? Even if she's calling on the phone and crying out her heart, that's not a question mark. Calling you and crying out from her heart, I would think would elicit some compassion from you. She has... And hold on, compassion, hold on, compassion for someone is different than offering advice. Compassion for someone is completely a horse of a different color than being a mentor or offering advice. Does that register with you, the difference? I'm thinking. Or is that something you put together in the same category? In other words, if someone calls crying to you, do you feel it's your responsibility to fix them and help them so they're not sad? No. And I'll tell you why. The more I think about it, she has called crying. But it's difficult for me to be compassionate because what she's crying about is so off the wall. And it's so incorrect. Because she's setting herself up for these situations. Okay, so let's stop right there. Let's stop right there because I wrote this down. This is super important and revealing. You said she's off the wall and what she's crying about is wrong? I kind of mean like, is it appropriate or no? Okay, that's okay. It doesn't matter what the word is. What I hear is a judgment. You're judging her for what she's crying about. Yeah, because I don't think it's... Yeah, I think it's wrong, because I think that she's not looking at things objectively. Okay. Now, who made you her judge? Oh, me. Okay. (laughs) Is she the only one that you judge in your life? Pretty much. So you don't judge your friends, you don't judge your other relatives. I, I, I sometimes judge my husband, but in order to make the marriage what it is, I pretty much stopped. I had to stop. Do you know what I mean? Because it was creating conflict with me, and because it was creating conflict with me, it entered into the relationship and I had to stop so I could keep the relationship good, if you know what I mean. Do you know what I mean? I had to let some of the things he was doing that bothered me just roll off my shoulder, and I learned to do that. Woo! Bravo, bravo. I am cheering you, Jane. Woo! Oh, wow. You're my hero. That is amazing. And that is what is the key to your other relationships, whether it's a family member or whatever. 
That is the key. You already have the answer inside of you. When we were talking before and you said, it's me, at the beginning of the show, even when you were talking about how to be productive when you're home, you said, oh, I know it's me. Well, guess what? It's you again. It's you in how to deal with your relative who you're talking about that you say needs a mentor. And let me just challenge this. She has a mentally ill son. She's not doing anything to help her or help herself. I've suggested that she get help for herself, and in order to get help for herself, she can help him. She's got her childhood is schizophrenic. She can skip it up on going to therapy. So she's allowing that to happen. I believe if she has a therapist herself, that would enable her to figure out how to help him. Now, when I call and we FaceTime, she's lying in her bed, and he's lying next to her. Now, there's nothing sexual about it, but they're both doing nothing, absolutely nothing, and it freaks me out because this kid and I told him the other day, if he got help, he'd have a productive life. I hear you. I hear you. And I'm going to stop you right now because I want to focus on you. And when I hear people pointing the finger at someone else, I ask them to look at the three back at themselves. Because neither of those people are on the show and you're here, I want to focus on you and find out how to heal you and make your life better it sounds like that's what you want to do to be the best version of yourself. And the things that I heard here was, I believe that they, it freaks me out that they, I know that if they did this, so I want to focus on you and the three fingers that are back at you because you have no control over them. Right. There is absolutely not one iota that you can do to help them. But you can help yourself so you can be the best relative. Just like you did, well, just like you did with your husband. It was creating conflict with you. And this relationship that you're talking about is creating conflict with you. You can change your whole perspective so that the relationship itself will change. You can't make them get better but you can change your relationship with them so you aren't frustrated, so you aren't obsessed with it, so you aren't uncomfortable with it. Tell me again what you did with your husband when you were judging him so that you could improve your relationship and make it the way it is now, lasting, endearing, enduring, and positive. Tell me again what you did. Well, he did something that I didn't approve of or I had a different feeling about. I just kind of said to myself, okay, this is him, it's not me. Yum. I'm not going to judge it. And I just let it, I just let it pass. I okay, so let's, I'm writing that down. You said, okay, this is him, not me. Number two, you stopped judging. Yeah. Right? I had to. I had to. Okay, and the third thing was you just let it go or you let it roll over I you? I just let it roll off my shoulder. Let it roll. And carried on. Rolled off your shoulder and carried on. Okay, I wrote this down. These are Jane's words. 
Okay, first thing. This is not me. This is him. Can you use that with your relatives? This is not me. This is them. I guess I could say this is not how I would handle this situation. Exactly. Yeah. This is not me. This is them. And you can use it as a mantra. Almost saying it as a meditation, as a prayer. This is them, not me. This is not me. This is them. The second thing you said you did with your husband, you stopped judging him. When we were talking, you kept saying things like, this is wrong of them. This is inappropriate. Can you stop judging them? It will be difficult. Of course it's going to be difficult, but guess who's going to benefit? I don't see how. Okay. I, I know you think I will. Can you tell me why? Well, can you imagine a life where you're not spending all this time obsessing over them and pointing the finger at them? You would have a lot more time to be productive in the world. You would have a okay. lot more time to mentor people who want your mentorship. You would feel way better about yourself inside and out. Are those any things you yes. would like? Yes. Okay. Because I think about my sister and her kids all the time, every day. Oh, well, I am so jazzed to know that you don't have to do that anymore. You are going to have so much time to be creative. You are going to have so much time to spend with your loving husband. You are going to have so much time to spend with these new people that you are going to mentor. Your life is going to be filled to the brim. You won't have time to look in the mirror and obsess over aging. This appeals to me. This is the solution. Absolutely, absolutely appeals to me. And guess what, Jane? It's been inside of you all along because you gave it to me. I wrote down the steps. The next step after not judging them is to let it roll over you and carry on. Let it roll over you and carry on. Should I not call her so much? <laughs> That's a great place to start. Until... Let's just stay in the now, and how about for the next week that you don't call her? Okay. Is that something you could do? Yeah, I think so. I think it's probably a good idea. Okay, so you're not going to call her for one week. I'm writing this down. Call her. Oh, I'm wow. I, I call her. <laughs> well, guess what, sweet Jane? That is a <laughs> clue. There's no question mark. She's not even calling you. I see. There's no question mark there. She's not calling you. I would suggest not calling her one day at a time. Okay, I'm willing. I'm willing to do that. That's great. What about the willingness to use this mantra for the next week also, saying, this is not me, this is her. I don't have to judge her life. I can let it roll over me and carry on. I'm ready That's your new mantra for the week. And the reason why I'm saying a week is because I want you to just focus on yourself and the three fingers back at you. So when you start pointing the finger and you start obsessing in your mind, I've got to fix my sister. I've got to fix her son. I've got to fix these people. You can bring out this mantra and start saying it like a prayer. And then guess what? Jane gets to be productive. So you're not looking in the mirror and obsessing about your age. We just went full circle. Wonderful. Now, I wrote down, this is not me, it's her. I don't have to. That's my job. It's not my job to judge her. Okay. 
I'm going to let it roll over me and carry on. Then the next thing, if you choose to accept this mission possible, is to get on that computer and start Googling mentorships and volunteering. I will do that. I'm so excited. I can feel it already now. I can feel your life has just turned around. It's so productive that you won't even have time to obsess about your sister or her son. You are going to be so filled up to the brim inside and out. Your beauty is going to emanate. When you look in the mirror, you're going to go back to how you felt before COVID and say, look at beautiful Jane. She is an inspiring role model. And I am so honored to be part of her glory. (laughs) Thank you so much. And thank you for calling in. I wish you the best of luck. I encourage you to call back and let us know how it goes. I will. All right. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Deb, so much. I appreciate it. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Well, that's all the time we have. Tune in nightly at 9 p.m. Pacific Time and midnight Eastern Time to AmericanHeartsRadio.com for another enlightening episode of Sleepless in Studio City. Dr. Debs, deemed the new relationship guru, a West Coast Dr. Laura, and East Coast Carrie Bradshaw, provides comforting, heartfelt help. She will lift your spirits, illuminate your mind, inspire creativity, promote positivity, and empower you to pursue your highest aspirations. You deserve to be the best version of yourself. If you'd like to be a guest caller, featured artist, or have your writing question answered on the show, feel free to contact Dr. Debs at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com, and she'll schedule you for the next opening. For replay links, updates, and affirmations, please visit facebook.com slash sleeplessinstudiocity or twitter.com slash drdebs. Find full episodes on iTunes. You can also listen to 5-Minute Excerpts on YouTube while watching a soothing, serene slideshow. Dr. Debs is available around the clock for telephone life coaching sessions, and the first consultation is free. Contact her at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com to arrange an appointment at your convenience. Dr. Debs will impart weekly wows, words of wisdom, and leave you with esteem builders and confidence boosters to help you transform from the inside out. Repeat often. Say them in the morning, in the evening, while driving, standing in line, or on a lunch break. Speak with conviction, and you will begin to believe. Without further ado, here's Dr. Debs. Thank you, Maxie, for that endearing closing. You are my most precious, treasured spirit and soul that I've ever known. I'm eternally grateful for you choosing me (laughs) to be part of your caress. (laughs) You are the gift that keeps on giving. I leave you with these words of wisdom from Deepak Chopra. You must learn to get in touch with the innermost essence of your being. This true essence is beyond the ego. It is fearless. It is free. It is immune to criticism. It does not fear any challenge. It is beneath no one, superior to no one, 
and full of magic, mystery, and enchantment. <laughs> Thank you, the wise Deepak Chopra. I leave you with these COVID confidence boosters <laughs> to change your brain chemistry so you can be the best version of yourself, which is what matters most in changing, healing, curing the planet and the pandemic. You can say these while practicing your mirror work, looking deep into that magnificent, gorgeous, brilliant, radiant, luminous soul of yours. I am a unique and very special person. I love myself more each day. I am willing to change. I approve of myself. I care about myself. I give and receive praise freely. I am respected by others. I deserve good in my life. I appreciate myself. Each day, I am becoming more self-confident. Peace out. After midnight, we're going to let it all hang out. After midnight, we're going to let it all hang out. I see. After midnight, we're going to let it all hang out.